Good morning, Maranatha. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable, and it is time uh, for Sunday Morning Alive right here on our website. You know, the scripture said, if two or more of you gather together in my name, hallelujah, there am I in the midst of them. Well, wherever you are right now, whether you're part of our physical congregation that we are uh, still waiting to be able to come together uh, in the name of Jesus, not in the name of a denomination or an organization, certainly not in my name, but in the name of Jesus Christ, hallelujah. There is a promise that we can claim, amen. There am I, there am I, in the midst of them. Well, He's here in the midst of us. For we're gathering together right here on the website today with with all those other believers all over the world, wherever God is sending His Word to you and wherever you have been sent to this time and place. I don't believe in accidents and happenstance. I believe in divine appointments. And I believe I'm here by divine appointment. I believe that you are here today, dear friend, by divine appointment. We have a message to bring you today. Amen. From the book of Nahum in the Old Testament, someone that has been called very truthfully a minor prophet with a major message. Praise God. A minor prophet with a major message. Well, I'm not a minor prophet. I'm not a major prophet. I'm not a prophet in that prophetic calling and office. Although a prophetic anointing at times would come upon me, uh, I am a pastor slash evangelist. And that is my office today. But I believe with all of my heart that God is going to raise up men and women just everyday people in pulpits in America with a message from the heart of God so that we can find consolation in the chaos. That's the title. If we would title this sermon today, it would be Finding Consolation in the Chaos. Listen, every time God moves in judgment in a land, chaos ensues. Everything that was so sure and so stable becomes up, upended through the upheaval when God begins to tear down the systems of man and the false gods of man that people have put their trust in. Oh, friend of mine, we're in the midst of a shaking that is shaking world governments, world economies, and shaking the false sense of security, the false peace that false prophets have actually declared unto us. You know, the Bible said of the false prophets that they, 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 have, they have prophesied a peace that is not real and therefore not relevant to us. It's a false peace. It's what itching ears want to hear. But it is not the message from God. God said if they had stood in my counsel, they would have given them a warning from my mouth. And we're still waiting to hear, aren't we? Amen. The message from God's heart through the mouth of His servants. If you are a preacher, if you're a pastor, if you're a teacher today, if you're involved in ministry that involves the Word of God. Amen. This is no time to give in to what is trending in in the church world today. Amen. Listen. 
we are in the midst of, uh, if, if at the very least, we are in the midst of a corrective chastisement from God. God is in control. God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. This could not be occurring without His knowledge. This could not be occurring without His permissive will. And friend of mine, because God is in control, this thing can turn around. But it can only turn around when there is a mighty, mighty turnaround in the church of Jesus Christ and the beginning to turn around in the world. That turnaround is called repentance. Amen. And when it occurs, God's mercy flows. When it occurs, God's mercy flows. Praise God. Amen. So finding consolation in the chaos here in the book of Nahum, it's all wrapped up in Psalm, uh, I'm sorry, in Nahum 1 and verse 7. And our consolation begins with a revelation of the unchanging character of God. Even when God is executing judgment, He is still maintaining His character of love and mercy. And that's why He said, if you return to Me, I'm not going to turn my back on you, even though you deserve what you got, and you probably wouldn't be coming back if it wasn't for the hurt and pain you've experienced. Oh, no. He can execute justice and judgment and still maintain His character of love, compassion, and mercy. That's what we count on when we intercede for a nation that doesn't deserve the mercy of God. But see, that's the nature of mercy, isn't it? Mercy isn't for people that deserve anything but justice and judgment. But God grants mercy. Amen. There's a, there's a song, and I want, I want to, you know, Come Ye Disconsolate, written in the 1800s. And listen to what it says. Where'er ye languish, come to the mercy seat and fervently kneel. Fervently kneel. Here bring your, your, your wounded hearts. Here tell your anguish. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Contemporary artists are singing this hymn or parts of it today are using that earth has no sorrow as the basis for their song because we and it wasn't this was before this pandemic arrived this global chaotic uh, pandemic that we are in they were singing that because of the chaos you see the wicked are like the troubled sea the scripture declares whose waters cast up mire and dirt there is no peace saith God unto the wicked. That brings us into a state of inconsolable anguish and pain and heartache and heartbreak. And there is no peace. No peace. That's why false prophets that have have declared peace without being reconciled to God. Peace on earth. Peace without repent of our sin and receiving Christ as our Savior. No, no. They've prophesied falsely and they've brought a false sense of security. What we need to hear today, we need to hear the clarion 
call of God through His Word and by His Holy Spirit. You know, it's hard hard to tell Christians that they need to repent. It's okay to preach to the world that talk about how awful the world is, but to say anything about sin in church is almost con- considered a sin. And a friend of mine, I'm going to tell you right now, I, I believe in that, that when God wants to reconcile Himself to His people that have fallen away and when he wants to restore all his blessings to our life and make us a blessing to the world about us he begins by calling us with a clarion call to repent of our sin and come back into that relationship with him that we have drifted from uh, old friend of mine I, I, I believe we ought to embrace the message uh, instead of becoming uh, becoming reticent to it and pushing back every Every time God convicts us, we should run to the mercy seat. I'm going to read this verse of this song again. It's so appropriate to where we are right now. Come, you disconsolate, where'er ye languish, come to the mercy seat and fervently kneel. Here bring your wounded hearts, here tell your anguish, because earth has no sorrow that heaven can't. You know, back in the Old Covenant, it said to the prophet, Lift up your voice like a trumpet, and spare not, and show my people their transgressions, and the house of Jacob their sins. And then it goes from that into, Is not this the fast that I've chosen? They were complaining because they were crying out and fasting and God didn't, didn't respond to them. And He's saying, come on back to me and I'll come back to you. <laughs> Pastor, how do you know when God... You'll know when God returns because we're not going to see the weak, anemic, compromised church anymore. We're going to see the beautiful bride. <laughs> Hallelujah. And we're going to see the, the authority that not granted to us. We already have it. We're going to be standing in a position and a posture to execute that authority. And we're not going to be seeing ourselves as victims anymore, but victors in the name of Jesus Christ. You see, while the book of Jonah, as we get back to this, because our time is fleeting, records Nineveh's reprieve, Nahum prophesies its destruction. Assyria was the arch enemy of Israel and Judah. It was used by God to punish them because they turned to idol worship and other evil practices. But even though God had used Assyria as a chastening rod, now He is delivering, He is ready to judge the very city that stood and felt like we could never fall. Nineveh, no one believed that Nineveh was ever in any danger whatsoever. You see, the book of Nahum is a prophecy about the destruction of the city of Nineveh the capital of the ancient pagan Assyrian Empire. It was written in poetic form, some have said, by the Hebrew prophet Nahum in the 7th century B.C. About a hundred, over a hundred years have passed since Jonah came and they repented 
but then fell backward and backslid back into sin. And now that reprieve and that window of opportunity, it took years, but now the judgment is coming and there is no space for repentance for them. Oh, friend, I'm so glad that we are not in Nineveh's predicament today. There would be no need to intercede, no need to pray for America, no need to pray for a window of opportunity to work while it is day for the church. Amen. But I'm going to say this, if God, or no, I'm going to rephrase that, when God grants this window of opportunity. Why do you believe that He's going to, Brother Venable? Because he He is true to His unchanging character. Praise God, the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. Praise God. Amen. Psalm 107 declares it, doesn't it? Oh, give thanks to the Lord for He is good for His mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom He hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Now, I see this just a little different because I see the redeemed of the Lord confessing that we've been redeemed. We sing it. We are the redeemed in the new covenant. I'm redeemed by love divine. Glory, glory, Christ is mine. All to Him I now resign. I have been, I have been redeemed. Oh, friend of mine, thank God The redeemed can confess Christ before men. We are not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so is absolutely appropriate. But in context here, let's read it again. Psalm 107, 1 and 2. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Say what? We're carrying the thought. (laughs) Say what? Say the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. The Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. Let those people whom He hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy declare the reason we are redeemed and the reason we were delivered is because the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. That's what brought Jeremiah up out of the, 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 the terrible despair of preaching all those years and seeing the corrective judgment, seeing Israel the covenant people of God, unrepentant, carried captive into Babylon. And Lamentations, I call it the book of the blues in the Bible. He's lamenting. And when he said, when I see this and I consider the the gall and the wormwood, the bitterness of it all, my soul is, is humbled. There's a strong Hebrew word here. It just literally means crushed within me. But this I recall to mind. Therefore have I hope. Thy mercies are new every morning. Hallelujah. Amen. Great is thy faithfulness. In the general sense, God is faithful to His own character and faithful to perform His Word. Amen. But in this specific sense, 
when sin had brought the judgment and the enemies of Israel had conquered them and enslaved them. Is there any hope? Is there any consolation in this chaos? He said, yes, there is. And the reason there is, he said, this I recall to mind, therefore have I hope. No wonder Nahum, whose name is Consoler, while prophesying all these judgments that are coming, is reminding Israel, if you come back to God, He'll come back to you. His eye is on you. His heart is open to you. His ear wants to hear your, your, your confession of your sin and see the, and His eye wants to see the repentance of it. And He's ready to restore you. Praise God. That's the consolation. No matter what's going on, God is true to His own character. That's why God can be love and still execute judgment and justice. And God can be merciful while executing chastisement. Oh, friend of mine, God is good. Nahum 1 and verse 7. And it's reiterated in Psalm 27 and verse 13. David said, I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of God. In the land of the living, not in the nasty, not in the sweet by and by, but in the nasty here and now. Hallelujah. God is good. It's, it's what, it's what God's people sang when, when a threefold unified enemy came up with an overwhelming force to destroy, amen, God's people and God's holy city. Did you know, you know what Jehoshaphat said to them? He said, listen, we have no power and we have no might. That's talking about our own resources to go up against this great enemy. But our eyes are upon you. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's something about these kind of fiery trials and these kind of pressurized situations that we get very focused on Him. Praise God. All of those distractions don't distract us anymore. We begin to get a laser focus on our God for our help and our God as our true hope. Praise God. And we also get an ear to hear His Word, don't we? We don't want to hear a false prophet prophesying a false peace. We want to hear how to be truly right with God and have that consolation that only God can give us. Hallelujah. Come ye disconsolate today. Amen. God wants to console you with the truth about Himself and it begins with the fact God is good and his mercy endures forever so so when when jehoshaphat declares we have no power no might what a terrible confession Somebody needs to send him a tape. I mean a disc. I mean some all oh, friend. No, that is the proper confession when we're looking for God's help. For when I am weak, Paul said, Yeah, don't say that. No, he was telling the truth. I'm weak without you. I'm nothing without you. I'm dust without you. I'm lost without you. But thank God I'm not without you. And when I'm weak and I get that laser vision and I look exclusively to God and not to 
anyone else, anything else, or anything within myself, then am I made strong. The real strength, power, presence of God comes. Hallelujah. Amen. So Jehoshaphat makes this statement. And he said, we have no power, no might to go out against this army, but our eyes are on thee. A prophet prophesies, immediately stands up in that audience and says, Thou shalt not have to fight at all. <laughs> Man, don't worry about that. In other words, I'm declaring the battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The battle is the Lord's. And then he gives them the battle instruction. What a battle plan. Amen. Go get the singers that are appointed in the temple to sing God's praises as part of the whole temple services. Bring those singers to the forefront. Let them stand out front and let them sing what? <laughs> the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. And let them sing that refrain over and over and over. And while they were singing, instead of sighing, a revelation of the unchanging character of God, God showed His mercy upon them. And He set a, a, a spirit of confusion among those enemies. And they turned on one another and killed each other until they were all dead. And Israel still singing, the Lord is good. <laughs> His mercy endures forever. I want to declare unto you today, our God is good even while judgments are falling. Our God is good even when we are chastised of Him. It's an expression of His love and watch care for us and to us. Faint not when you're chastened of Him. Why? Because He's good. Remember the Narnia Chronicles? The Narnia Chronicles, where where C.S. Lewis is using these analogies, and 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 he, the the lion represents Christ, the lion that laid down and let them take his life, yet he has all this mighty power. When the young lady in the story and in the film that came out about it, when she saw this mighty lion, oh, she turned around and she said. Is he dangerous? And the answer was, no, no, he's a namby-pamby lion. He's just a big old pet. No, the answer was true. And it's true of God today. Is he dangerous? It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I don't want to meet him as judge. I, I have met him, and I always want to meet him as my sovereign and my savior. Hallelujah. Is he dangerous? The answer was, yes, he's dangerous. But He's good. He's good. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. And because He's good, His mercy endures forever and forever. Hallelujah. And because God is good, He's a stronghold in the day of trouble. Praise God. Stronghold is, is the, in the Hebrew ma'uz. It means a fortified place, a defense, a refuge, a rock. Hallelujah. Amen. Psalm 46 1 says it well. God is our refuge and strength, a very 
present help in trouble. Literally in the Hebrew, adversity, affliction, anguish, distress, tribulation. Samuel Rutherford said it well. He said, believe God's love and power more than your own feelings and experiences. Your rock is Christ, and it's not the rock that ebbs and flows, it's the sea. You see, Satan will do his best to try to dissuade us from trusting in the Lord. He will mock us and laugh us to scorn. Don't listen to the devil. Lean on God. Hallelujah. I like Psalm 3 too. You'll like it too. The song has been written from this psalm. Many say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of my head. Amen. My shield of faith is not some force that magically, supernaturally occurs within me as I read the Bible. No, as I read the Bible, I discover the unchanging character of my God and my King and my Sovereign and my Savior and Jesus, the lover of my soul. Praise God. Hallelujah. And when I discover the unchanging character of God, then I can put my trust exclusively in Him. Hallelujah. He's a stronghold in the day of the trouble. You see, a name reveals a character, especially in the ancient times of the Hebrews. That's why the psalmist said, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and are safe. That word safe meant far above, high above the reach of your enemy who wants to harm you. Glory be to God. Amen. Listen. And not only is He a stronghold in the day of trouble and He is good, but He knows them that trust in Him. Praise God. He knows. He knows. That word literally means to cherish as well as to acknowledge you. You see, the same almighty power, according to Matthew Henry's commentary on this, the same almighty power that's exerted for the terror and destruction of the wicked is engaged and shall be employed for the protection and satisfaction of His own people. He is able both to save and to destroy in the day of public trouble when God's judgments are in the earth, laying waste, He shall be a place of defense for those that by faith put themselves under His protection. Friend, I don't know about you, I don't have any trouble running to God. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Those that trust in Him, He goes on to say, in the way of their duty that live a life of dependence on Him and devotedness to Him, he knows them. He owns them for His. He takes cognizance of their case, knows what is best for them, and what course to take, most effectively for their relief. They are perhaps obscure and little regarded in the world, but the Lord knows them. Praise God. Amen. Jesus talked about the Good Shepherd that lays down his life for the sheep and said he knows them all 
by name. He knows those who trust in Him. According to C.H. Spurgeon, not only does He know them in the sense of identification, but also in the sense of relationship. Trust implies relationship. And God knows those who trust in Him. Once more, this word know here means loving communion. Some have interpreted this cherish, and I agree. God knows us. He knows our prayers and tears. He knows our wishes. He knows that we are not what we want to be, but He knows what we desire to be. He knows our aspirations, our sighs, our groans, our secret longings, our own chastenings of spirit when we fail. He's entered into it all. He said, yes, dear child, I know all about you. I've been with you when you thought you were alone. I've read what you could not read, the secrets of your own heart that you could not decipher. I've known them all, and I still know them. Hallelujah. Listen, they that know their God will be strong and do exploits, the Scripture says, and they that are known by their God, hallelujah, shall be cared for no matter what kind of chaos and what kind of trouble may come. Hallelujah. Because God knows us. You see, we're living in a day when the church is filled with backsliders and and tares. And it's hard to distinguish the true church from the world and the culture. But I'm going to tell you the true church, I believe, is standing up and turning to God with that laser vision that says, I'm looking into the hills from whence cometh my help. I'm looking up and not to man and not to self, but I'm looking to God. And looking to God is something that gives us hope no matter what the situation that we find ourselves in. Praise God. Amen. Glory be to God. God cares for you today. That's why 1 Peter 5 and verse 7 says, Casting all your cares on Him because He cares for you. I like the Amplified. It says, Casting the whole of your care All of your anxieties, all of your worries, all of your concerns, once and for all on Him. For He cares affectionately for you and cares about you watchfully. God watches over us. His eyes are on the righteous today. His ear is open to our cry. That's why I've got hope for our nation. As sinful as we become, I have hope for revival in the church because there is a remnant of righteous. I don't mean self-righteous and I don't mean sinlessly perfect. I mean people who are right with God because He sees our trust is in Him and He sees our humility. He sees our transparency. He, transparency. He sees... Well, I like the song. It says, He looked beyond my fault and saw my need. So I'll forever turn my eyes to Calvary where Jesus died for me. And my eyes have been turned and I have a laser focus on Jesus today looking 
unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of your faith. See, He that began a good work in us, He will perform it. He will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ, until the very day that Christ appears. Amen. He will perform what He has begun in us. It began with grace. It began with mercy. And that grace and that mercy from God, His unchanging character, while judging, He's still merciful. While chastening to correct, He's still loving. And because of that, we don't run from Him. We don't run from Him with dread and fear. We run to Him with love and devotion. Say, yes, Lord, I have sinned and I have faltered and I've failed and I don't have to tell you, you know it. But I have hope because Your mercy is new every morning. Great is Your faithfulness. Great is Your faithfulness. Today it's time to draw near to God because there's no doubt what's going to happen when we do. He said, I'm going to reciprocate. You draw near to me. (laughs) I've been waiting for this. I've been longing for this. And I will draw near to you. The day if you don't know Christ is your Savior. Where can you run? Where will you go for consolation? Come, you disconsolate. Where'er you languish, come to the mercy seat and reverently kneel. Here, bring your wounded hearts. Tell of your anguish. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Come to Jesus today. Come to Jesus. Repent of your sins. And He will abundantly pardon you and comfort you until He comes. In Jesus' name.